You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello, welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday. We're a day late, but who the hell cares? The 17th of September. People How are care, you and your fancy ghost statues doing today? <laughs> I'm about to great. Now I'm going to have to link that. <laughs> Please explain. I, I still see them every time I close my eyes. <laughs> uh, I, I work at re- in retail and uh, we're setting up the Halloween area and there's these two ghost pinatas that just have this emotionless, soulless, thousand-yard stare. And I've been working next to them for two days, and they're really starting to creep me out. I maintain that that would make the perfect Christmas card. (laughs) Put yourself in the middle. Well, now that I know you thought they were snowmen, that comment makes a little more sense. Well, yeah, they do. They're all white, and they're weird kind of stuff on them. They do not look like ghosts. They look like snowmen. It would be awesome. You should. You should do it. Do it. <laughs> All right. We have got a very interesting discussion ahead of us today. I've been digging through um, Thrillbent again because I'm still subscribed and, and I'm, I'm digging a lot of the stuff that they're putting out there. And I had seen this and thought that I'd wanted to read it. And I only just got to it uh, a few weeks ago. And that is Motorcycle Samurai by Chris Sheridan. Now, this was actually already published by Top Shelf Digital, but it's actually the first time that Thrillbent takes something that's already been published and slaps it on uh, in Thrillbent. And Mark Wade has said that he just, he wants to put quality content for everybody using Thrillbent. And Motorcycle Samurai more than qualifies as quality content. Now, this is a... Very interesting, fun story to read. I, I dare you to to define it and explain what it is. That's the thing. It's kind of a little all over the place. There's a lot of post-apocalyptic old Western in it. The writing fits that as well. And the writing is brilliant, not just in terms of what happens in the stories, but the dialogue as well is just absolutely fantastic. Because you can tell that Sheridan is, is pulling from a lot of Western vibes kind of thing. And then the art, of course, by Sheridan as well is freaking spectacular. Not ultra-realistic, just so full of style, it's unbelievable. Yeah, The best thing I like about the dialogue, and I noticed this like early on, like, it's like this dialogue seems a little I don't want to say cheesy, but like it was kind of trending in that, like especially the was it the issue where she she ran into the uh the hornets and I was like this is a little weird. And then it occurred to me he's basically writing it like it was an older martial arts movie and then once that clicked everything just fell into place yep. for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. So the 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 right now on uh on Thrillbent you can get let me just pull this up here. I believe it's six issues that are up there. Yeah, issues one through four, and then issue zero, zero, and then like a prequel thing. Yeah. yeah. So there are six issues that you can get. Now, these were originally published last year, and so they're just being republished. The really cool thing, to just to get out of the way before we actually get into the story and whatnot, is that Sheridan has done an amazing job with using the digital 
um, platform. And we've talked about this with other digital comics, how, you know, that swipe can be a little overused when they try to have transition effects and whatnot. And despite the fact that there's a lot of transition effects in these issues, they're done so well that it never feels like it's being overused. It feels like it's being properly used. I don't know if you felt the same way. There was some brilliant stuff in here with some of the panel changes and transitions being nothing. Like at some points I thought it was a glitch. Like they just doubled a page, but then I realized, no, they're just like kind of implying a a stare down. Yep. And it's, and it just builds the tension of the scene. And it's like, that is such a creative way to use the technology to kind of get in the reader's head. What I like too is that he did not allow himself to become confined by the panels, that you have to have them in a very specific order on the screen. The panels appear wherever he wants your eye to go and to great effect. So you'll get, say, a very slim horizontal panel across the top of the the, uh, the your screen and then one at the bottom and then the last one appears in the middle or in the case of introductions of gangs where you get them appearing like the freaking Brady Bunch all <laughs> in a square around them and uh, and it just, again it never feels like it's out of place it's very natural way of guiding your eye to where it's supposed to be on the screen it uh, the transition effects in in all of these I thought was just phenomenal. Yeah, very very well done. So the story throughout again it's a post apocalyptic story. It's a story about this motorcycle samurai called uh, the the White Bolt, and it's this woman that's kind of a bounty hunter that is bringing someone to where they, the, she can cash in the bounty. And there's stories that happen throughout. So you'll have each issue will have its own little story going on. But meanwhile, dude with the happy sack on his head is still stuck on the motorcycle waiting. And you know that she's bringing him in somewhere for, for the bounty. And then towards the end is when you get the introduction to the town where she's bringing him and the people and why he's being brought there. So like, like you had said, there's the, the green Hornets and then there's some other gangs as well there. And then there's the Christmas one, which I thought was hysterical, (laughs) but again, each has their own little thing, including one that has the, the puppet show as well, which we've seen in a lot of other comics and things. I had actually forgotten about that. I'm glad you brought it up, though. But this is the first time we've seen the puppet show done in this format. And it it was great. Like, I want to see a comic that's nothing but a yeah. puppet show done in the thrill-bent format now. <laughs> yeah. Because it does. It works because you get that illusion of movement on the screen because of the panels. Which, again, points to how phenomenal the, that, the transitions were. And that's, yeah, that's probably the best one in the, in the six. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I, I, <laughs> it's just, I, I liked them so much. I was surprised at just how much I liked these, these issues. And I think that the reason for it is because of the writing. It, again, I love the style. I, which Did you actually visit uh, Sheridan's site 
that has no, a whole. Not. Oh my God, you should. I'll send you the link later because he actually has done sketches of a variety of other um, comic book characters as well. And in his own style. And it's freaking awesome. Like his Hellboy. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. And what I like as well is that, again, on his site, he's got pictures of not just the main characters in Motorcycle Samurai, but some of the others as well. But he made them out as if they were posters, like movie posters, with the name of the person that it kind of resembles or is somewhat based on. And... Um, and who the character is. So like, as an example, All-Star, who appears later on again in that town that uh, that the fugitive is being brought to, it's Evil Knievel, played by Steve McQueen. And that's All-Star. <laughs> I, and I, you know what? I definitely picked up on both of those. Yes. Yeah. And then <laughs> the White Bolt is Elvis, played by Bruce Lee, which I thought was hysterical. <laughs> Kate Blanchett right. is Frankie. Peter O'Toole is the Iron King. Oliver Reed is happy. Uh, Gene Hackman is uh, Piccolo and the good guys. Um, and then he's got like Billy Bob Thornton, Danny DeVito, and Steve Buscemi, the three thugs. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Tilda Swinton is the butcher in the Green Hornets, which fits. Once you, you know where he was coming from, it's like, oh my God, I see it now. <laughs> I can't unsee this. Um, but yeah, the art is is phenomenal and draws you in. But again, it's that freaking writing, not just in terms of the plot and the plot devices and, and, and whatnot, but I thought that overall the dialogue was so fantastic and, and the narration throughout. And like you said, it, it, it could border on cheesy depending on how you look at it. But if you see it as this parody of this genre, I just thought that it worked so bloody well. Yeah, and once that realization. But the most interesting thing to me about this series so far is White Bolt isn't exactly a heroic type character no. from what we've seen so far. And like every time that you think the story is going to take, you know, the turn of you know the typical hero samurai character, it goes in the other direction. And at this point, we've read so many things over the years. Anything that can keep me guessing is a welcome addition. Yeah. So uh, obviously this came out a while back, so we can spoil some of it. The um, the fugitive is being brought back to this town that is being run by uh, a woman. And it's her um, – hold on a second. It's her husband, right? I'm trying to remember. No, he killed her husband. Yeah, he killed her husband. Yeah. He's her brother. Brother. And so you have all of these family tensions and whatnot. And the character of All-Star again is the guy who's taken over – the job as sheriff and the sheriff was this woman's um, mm-hmm. husband. husband. Oh, I'm tying up my words here. Um, so you have kind of like this, this type of story that we've seen before again, where the sheriff has to try to defend himself against the, the, this powerful force that's kind of taken over the town essentially. And instead of just, going the easy route, of course, he has to try to play the hero. And this is where you're saying White Bolt, who you would think is kind of a hero, is just a bounty hunter and mm-hmm. is making choices based on what is best for her. And I like that. I didn't want her to be a hero. 
I she's got a sword and I want her using it. I don't want to have to worry about morality choices. I want an interesting story where the characters' actions are believable and they're not always the right ones and they're not always pure, but damn, they're interesting. Yeah, and it's definitely allowed the story to drive itself forward in unforeseen ways, like I said. So I don't know. Like, there's there's really not much more we can say about this. There, I don't I don't want to break down each of the issues. However, if you have any points that you wanted to make specifically about any issues that you really liked, no, just uh, you know, like I said we covered some of the highlights with uh, the puppet show. Uh, the boxing match was really well executed. Like, it's just it's an interesting cast of characters, and the plot moves along quick enough to keep you interested but slow enough that it doesn't just throw all the cards out there. And like, I'm chomping at the bit for the next issue. Like as fun as the Christmas issue was, it pissed me off (laughs) because I was ready for that fight. (laughs) Yeah. And the, um, chain gang issue as well, which did not even have white bolt in it until the very end. I mean, uh, she might've appeared, briefly throughout but i don't think so i I think she only appears yeah only once they've actually done their their started their escape and uh and again it shows you that the strength and quality of the writing is what is keeping us interested and not just the characters because we see that a lot when we are reading different comics and we've talked about this over the years as well how you know you if you can carry an issue and the main characters aren't even in it until the end, or if at all, then you've proven that it's the quality of the writing that keeps people interested. And that's what we saw here. I mean, it's, it's, that was one of the issues where they brought that to light. Uh, I mean, when you get to the end there and one of the dudes there came prepared for how he was going to escape, you're like, yeah, I kind of saw it coming, but it, it was well executed. I liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to what we've been reading for the week. And this is also why I wanted a little bit shorter discussion because, man, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Is there anything you didn't read? I read all the things. (laughs) But there was... Sorry, I've been too busy playing Destiny. (laughs) You're only two levels higher than me, dude. Well, as of the end of the weekend, I was a little farther than that. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I've I've been spending my time quality, not just... Anyways, um, I actually, again, I wanted to get caught up on a couple of different things that I was behind on. Are you still reading Big Trouble in Little China? You know, I read the first issue and I want to go back and read the rest. I just haven't gotten to it. Okay. You should because it actually does get better. Um, The first one was fun, as they all are. But by the third issue now, the... The, the the cast of characters and the, the 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 plot device of what they're trying to do and everything is kind of really it's it's on that slippery slope <laughs> and it's already fell over a couple of times and rolled and gotten muddy and so it's getting to be quite a bit of fun i'm i'm looking forward to what that the next issue is going to be now mm-hmm. you i can't remember if you had read any of black widow or i think you'd read one hadn't you i i read the first couple okay so you're actually not caught up I'm not caught up on anything. Okay. All right. <laughs> There's like five comics I'm actually caught up on. 
Black Widow continues to be amazing. I wasn't too far behind on that one, so I kind of went back. I, I reread actually a couple of the early issues just to make sure I remembered everything and uh, and and got caught up. It continues to be phenomenal. It, it's it's absolutely fantastic. The again, the art is just as good. Her lawyer buddy is has gotten himself into all manner of trouble, and she's got to basically. It's getting to the point now where she's finding that out and has to do something about it but we're getting a cast of um of kind of uh not tie-ins but just guest appearances from other people so we've got like the winter soldier which was in there we got um punisher was in one and i really dug the issue with punisher it was it was really well done and what i'm liking about this as well is that Unlike unlike what's expected and kind of like what you see sometimes in the movies and whatnot, she's not infallible. She makes mistakes, and they're big mistakes at times. And yeah, she's still over-the-top awesome kind of thing, but you're, you're seeing the, the issues with the character as well, not just in terms of um, like physical mistakes and things like that when she gets clocked in the head or screws up something or or is actually detected somewhere before uh, before she gets to whatever target or acquisition she needs to do she's she's found whereas when you're seeing her in other comics or or in the movie sometimes she's kind of made to appear as if she never screws up you never see her coming and things like that well you kind of do and she has to pay for that. And so you wind up with some really, really spectacular issues because of that. Cool stuff. And again, the art, I just can never say enough about this art. Like, I mean, it's absolutely amazing, especially in some of the issues where you're getting a lot of action going on. Because, I mean, the obviously you see a lot of dramatic poses and, and panels and whatnot. But man, with some of these action shots are so unbelievable, especially when you look at, again, the manner in which it's done. Uh, it's Phil Noto who does this. I it's, it's among my favorite for art styles in comic books right now. I'm not going to say the best, because Ramus is still my boy. <laughs> Ramus and Bacallo. But Jesus, this is like, it's in the top five for damn sure, maybe even top three. I love it that much. You know, it's interesting, just to, as a brief aside, I learned a little while back that uh, Ramos and Bacallo actually trained at the same studio. Really? They both learned from Joe Madrera. Cool. Yeah. That's, well, Madrera's amazing, too. And you can definitely see the influences Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, definitely. Are you caught up on uh, Spider-Man 2099? I read issue two, but I think issue three was the latest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm one behind on that. Okay. So yeah, you're you're getting the whole thing where he's trying to get away with not being discovered who he is and whatnot. And um, three was interesting because they're they're having the thing with the spider slayers being sold off. So he's trying to kind of prevent that, or he'd like to. It wasn't a spectacular issue, but it was still good. It was still fun. Yet another one of those things where Spider Man shows up somewhere clear across the world but nobody will put two and two together <laughs> actually i actually really liked uh, issue two the stuff with uh the super in his yeah. building and liz there were some good plot developments in issue two there were there were yeah three again three was it was fun to read but nothing amazing um like the first two i really enjoyed the first two a lot 
Uh, did you read uh, latest Invincible? I'm sad to say I have not. Oh, damn it. Okay, well, I won't say anything <laughs> then. And we'll cover it next week. I'll let you cover it next week. Okay. Because, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, okay, we'll leave it. <laughs> I'll say something if I continue. So I just, moving right along. Let's move on to some stuff that I know you read. Going back to Spider-Man. You read the newest Amazing Spider-Man? I did. I read something. <laughs> you actually did. Okay, what did you think? It, it just continues to be one of the most fun comics out there, plain and simple. Silk is freaking awesome. <laughs> yes. Silk is like one of my favorite new characters that they've introduced now. Like, and how much did you hate her when they were first introducing her with the other person that got bit by the spider? Well, you didn't hate her, but you I hated, hated the, the setup. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But I mean, compared to freaking little protege, which whatever happened to that kid? Uh, they gave him his own spinoff miniseries that where he, he kind of earned his powers back. Shows how much I have not kept up with that character at all because it was a snot-nosed little kid that I could care less about. But this, <laughs> I love her. <laughs> we need to commission Ramus to make us a nice silk poster. Not for a giveaway, but for me. <laughs> 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 this was awesome. This was, I, I love her as a character. I love the interactions between her and Peter and with Anna Maria, <laughs> her comet. But <laughs> it's like driving two kids to their senior prom. <laughs> I just love what we're seeing from her, like power wise, oh, and how yeah. she's so different from what Peter can do, and like it's kind of that whole superior thing where God, Peter kind of sucks at his job sometimes. He really does. He really does. She's pulled his fat out of the fire how many times? Um, the only thing is, is like this- Jonah. Hold on. Oh yeah, Jonah. <laughs> I that was one of those legitimate, actual, out loud laughs. <laughs> When he's in the center of the shot. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. The whole stuff with the black cat is kind of going a little overboard, but at least it's someone new instead of constantly going to the same well for villains that are, you know, too much for him. She's never been like, well, I'm not going to say never, but not one of these super, super villains that's too much for him to handle. So to see her in that role, okay, it's fun, but it's kind of, I'll be happy when it's done. Put it that way. Which it's, is it's better than another Kingpin story. There is that. Um, Spider-Verse. Oh. It's starting. <laughs> it's happening. It's really going to happen. End of the Spider-Verse. Uh, this was the Spider-Man Noir one, which was freaking awesome. I liked I'm pissed it. off it was only one issue. Yeah, really. I, and now I need, like, I'm, I'm hoping, like, got fingers crossed, prayers to the sky that, they spin this off into be its own series where they just keep us touching on because like this week's issue with the Gwen Stacy spider woman, oh. like, it's not even out yet and it's already everybody's favorite comic. So like they need to do some sort of spinoff where they keep touching on these other spider characters, assuming they live because like we saw, I want to see more of noir Mysterio. Like, one issue wasn't enough for that character. <laughs> it, it was, it was great. And you're right. Like this is something that they could easily spin off. The, the most important thing again is make sure that you get writers who can handle it. Um, but this one here, obviously they, they could, I can't remember who wrote this. I'm going to look it up here. Um, but uh, 
David Hine with Fabrice Sapolsky. Never heard of him. Great job. Great job. Art, Richard Azanovi, Azanov, whatever. Art heard was, of him. Oh, the art was great and fit in with the style perfectly. Perfectly. I, I, I was blown away with this. This was, it, it was a fun read and it set up the character so that you care about him once he gets into the Spider-Verse story, which is obviously what they're doing for all of the characters that they're going to introduce in this. But yeah, it was awesome. And like you're saying, like, I mean, if they were to introduce a Spider-Verse ongoing series that whether it's every week or once a month, highlight some of the different characters and then periodically go back to them so that you can keep caring about those characters. That would be fantastic. And it's almost embarrassing how incredibly happy I got from one page because in the background of the final page was old man, Logan, spider girl. Like this, that's all this event is going to be is just me squealing about, you know, background character. (laughs) Hold on a second. Last page. Where Otto finally shows up to rescue him. Yeah. I believe it was on the left is Old Man Logan Spider-Girl. Okay. Is that who that is? That is? I'm pretty sure that's who that is. That's what it looks like to me. Isn't that the costume she was wearing? I don't know. Okay. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> um, did you read the latest Nightcrawler? No. Okay. I, I have... I, I I don't want to say I gave up on it, but don't. It, it's it's it didn't grab me enough to keep up with it. You should read it now. Like remember the last one I was saying how it was just basically Kurt settling into the teacher role kind of thing, and one of the newest kids is on the um, the Blackbird with him. They get a call to go and check in on on a mutant whatnot, and so this is their adventure together. So this is the kid's first kind of outing, and he's I mean. Your first outing, you go out with freaking Nightcrawler and the Bamps. That's kind of awesome, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm, I'm already digging this character as well. It's the character that looks like a scorpion, and he's he's just this cool little kid kind of thing that's having fun and yet still finds the courage to do what's right. And and it was a fun read. I, I'm I'm kind of hoping that we see more of him in in Wolverine's peeps if that continues, or if it just becomes his peeps. <laughs> I've actually heard that's being canceled once there's no more Wolverine. Damn it! They could have done Nightcrawler and his peeps. Although I also did hear about a great plot development that I'm not going to ruin for you. Okay, good. Anyways, this was fun. It was fun. Of course, they go to get it. Nothing ever goes well. So you have this kind of fight and this saving stuff and. A lot of bamfing around, so it was fun. It was it was it was much better than the last one, and it's introducing a couple of characters in a way that's going to make them interesting later on as well, because they can't just let that go. So yeah, that was cool. Um, okay, last one. Is it my last one? No, it's not. I have two more, dude. <laughs> you're you're putting okay. in your two cents. Um, the latest uh, uh, Magneto. What do you think? Okay, once again. <laughs> Comparison to what he went through with the Nazis and the Jews. We see so much of that with his stories all the time. And it's like, part of me is like, well, it makes sense that you would. Because it is such a profound moment. If you would have lived through that, it's going to taint the rest of your life and change how you see things. I can I can understand that. 
I, I can't. I obviously never lived through it. I'll never fully understand the scope of it. But in my rational brain, I'm going, okay, so it makes sense. But then the other part of me is like, again, <laughs> this <laughs> we have to go back to this again. But it makes sense. It's the same kind of thing. So it 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 fits. It's just I don't know. I was kind of torn when I was reading. Yes, it was awesome. Um, yes, I love that he's so full of anger that he's screwing up as well and whatnot. And and again, that struggle with control or loss of control of his powers and things like that. So there were a lot of things that I really liked, but there were a few that I was like, mm, I don't know. See, I haven't read this particular issue, and I'm inclined to agree that we've seen enough of the World War II flashbacks with Magneto. But I do think it really fits in this series, the way Colin Bunn is writing it, because it's showing how much he's kind of falling into the patterns of the Nazis. And a lot of his behavior is reminiscent of you know the people he hated so much when he was a child. So for this series and the way it's being written, I actually agree with it. Yeah, this was not so much the said, cleansing of whatever. Yeah, issue, this was so trying to know. free them. Um, but I, I'm curious where it's going to go from here, especially considering the end of it. So, uh, okay, now last one. And this one I know you didn't read, and that's Death of Wolverine number two. No. <sighs> <laughs> Basically, he's going off to talk to poison and there's a whole conspiracy, not conspiracy, but you know, trying to be sneaky about so people don't recognize that it's him, which I have to say the art was done in such a way that you don't recognize that that's him. They give him a full beard and a ponytail and that's enough so that people don't recognize that it's him. Well, and he doesn't have those stupid mutton chops. He's not Wolverine. Yeah. Like it, they made him look a little too different. <laughs> so, so it's like that's not Wolverine eh, apparently it is uh, the only way that you know it's him is from the bandages on his hands so I picked up on that but the rest was like okay uh, and then again it, it just turns into there's, there's no like freaking reason for the visit or you know it's not enough of a reason it's like you know that he's trying to stop people from constantly trying to kill him sure but it just turns into the fight with Creed again because we haven't gotten enough of that over the decades of his existence. So, and then Deathstrike shows up and blah, blah, blah. I, I, again, I, I haven't read it, so I can't say how well it was executed. But if you're, air quotes, doing the last Wolverine story, there has to be a saber-tooth fight in there at least somewhere. It, we just got that. I know. We just, I know. just got that at the end of the Wolverine series. So Wolverine ends, Death of Wolverine starts, yet another Creed fight that we... No, I, I'll agree with that, that the last Wolverine story shouldn't have also been a, a saber-tooth thing. Stupid. Utter stupidity. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> I'm so not digging this. Like, <laughs> I'm happy he's dying. Oh, I will be. At this point, it's like, screw you, buddy. Okay, if, you, if nobody can write you properly, then you don't deserve to live. Oh my god. <laughs> what do you got? Did you just sentence the entire DC universe to death? <sighs> Go. <laughs> okay. Uh actually uh picking back up with uh the Thrillbent stuff. I was been I not just this week, but I've been going through a lot of their stuff and I I love 
how they have so many different styles. Like, you know, it the only superhero comic there is like the least superhero thing you could find with Insufferable. But like they do have some cool like horror comics that are, are pretty well executed. But there was one that I, I've actually really been enjoying lately called uh, Arcanum. Have you checked that one out? No. It's set in the modern day where we discover that basically the the land of the fairies keeps crossing over with you know our world and they go to establish that it's been happening forever you know since time immemorial that's how you get a lot of the fairy tales and you know weird stories but what's fun is things are kind of reaching a crescendo with the with the incursions and things are getting worse and worse the main character that they bring in is just hilarious he's a folklore expert so of course he knows all the stuff about the fairies that they need to know but up until the story started in the comic he didn't believe in it himself it was just a bunch of stuff he learned to become a con artist and sell millions of dollars worth of books to stupid americans who wanted like some sort of self-help thing so basically you have all the best bits of like the constantine character but done more as a comedy than serious. And it's it's just a lot of fun to read. And it's it's a pretty quick read too. There's 18 issues, but they're short, fast reads. So like I knocked out the whole thing in like an afternoon easily. Cool. Okay, I'll check it out. And I, I know you're gonna be so disappointed in me because one of the things I did read this week was Deadpool. Oh, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> Everybody was raving about this issue, so I had to kind of move it up in the queue <laughs> to read this. Uh, this is another one of those issues where in between major story arcs, they find lost issues from previous decades to telling older Deadpool stories that were missed. And what's been really cool about these is that they've been written and drawn in the style of the time. So when they did the one from the 60s, it was you know your Jack Kirby type comic. When they did one in the 70s, it was like a Neil Adams comic. So eventually we had to reach the point where Deadpool visits the 90s. This is the most 90s thing in the history of comics. Like, I don't think even Liefeld could have done something this bad. (laughs) Obviously, it was done kind of as as a satire. Uh, the, the the artist on this was Scott Koblish, who was just brilliant and, and how ludicrously over the top, you know, distorted, ridiculous, like <laughs> it's just so funny. And then somebody pointed out they went through and double checked. No feet. Not a single foot was drawn <laughs> throughout the entire flashback. It was they were all obscured. Like there's even points where he obviously cropped the panel because there's just like an inch of negative space on the page that serves no purpose artistically. He just cropped out the panel so that they wouldn't have to draw the feet. That's hysterical. Okay. And then the very first panel, once it catches back up to modern day, is a guy tying his shoes. <laughs> just to just to prove, no, no, I really can draw feet. That was an artistic comedy choice. <laughs> it's it's so stupid that it's brilliant. <laughs> All right, I'm still not checking it out, but okay. <laughs> just trust me on that. One. <laughs> all right, anything and else? That, that's all I got. All right, good enough. I've been too busy with other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, so this week's releases on the Marvel side, we've got all-new X-Men number 32, Edge of the Spider-Verse number two, and that's the one with Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, whatever she is. It's mm-hmm. going to be awesome. I love the costume with the hoodie, too. Like, oh, my. It's oh, it, Jeez. <laughs> like I said, it's not even out yet, and it's already everybody's favorite comic. Hulk uh, Annual number one, Miles Morales, the Ultimate Spider-Man number five, which, man, that one's been a little while coming. We've uh, Thank you for the sneeze, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even edit that out because I was talking. Um, Nova number 21, which very much looking forward to that. But not as much as Superior Spider-Man number 33, which is the next part of the... Sp- Seriously, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, Superior Spider-Man number 33. Thor God of Thunder number 25. Is this when they're introducing chick thor i know it's not don't get mad at me i don't know if that's where when she's being introduced but i'm pretty sure it is the last issue of the current thor comic what's her name again hmm? what's her name again thor no but who she was before she became thor i i don't know don't know okay oh i thought it was gonna be angela but they kind of proved that it's not okay all right and then wolvinus peeps number nine on the dc side we have got a bunch of the future's end number ones because of course Number ones. So we got Batman and Robin, Batman, Superman, Batwoman, Green Lantern, New Guardians, Justice League. What is that? Multiversity, the Society of Superheroes Conquers of the Conquer Counter World. Number one. Isn't that awesome? It's a Grant Morrison comic. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Uh, Back to the Future's Ends. We got the Red Hood and the Outlaws, Supergirl, Superman, Wonder Woman, Teen Titans, Trinity of Sin, Pandora, and Wonder Woman. And then on top of that, we've got Batman Eternal number 24. So yeah, if you're interested, there's a ton to spend your money on. On the image side, we've got Deadly Class number 7 and Oddly Normal number 1, which looks like it could be a little young, but some viewers might be young. I like that. And then from everybody else, we've got uh, Jim Henson's The Storyteller Witches, number 1 of 4 from Boom Studios, which looks very interesting. I, um, the last Jim Henson book Boom put out was excellent. Oh yeah, so I'm I'm really interested in this. And then for you, Gata, uh, Godzilla Cataclysm number two of five, which, as I tweeted about, I watched the new Godzilla. <sighs> I never told you it was good. <laughs> Continuing with IDW, we got Transformers <laughs> more than meets the eye number thirty three, and quite possibly the most important comic book that you can pick up this week. Cartoon Network, Super Secret, Crisis War, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, number one. Dude. <laughs> you know, I've seen those and like they, there's one of that that line coming out every week. And it's just like, I know at some point I'm going to have to read them, but it's a daunting task at this point because I've already <laughs> missed so much. We are huge fans of Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, like huge fans. So I saw this and it was like, I am so getting this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it up. Of course, you can check out the show notes at combocomformer.com. You can find us on Twitter at CB Informer, and we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>